Good morning, anyway. <laughs> um, today, as has already been said, we're going to continue on our Advent journey as we make our way towards Christmas, and we're using our beautiful artwork along the walls there to um, to do that. I've left the clicker. Simon, could you grab me the righty ho? Because I've um, got some cool pictures. Don't want you to miss out on them. Okay, so this is the piece of artwork that we are up to today. And um, you'll see it's got the caption, God created us for relationship with himself. And basically today what I'd like to do is kind of prove that statement to you from throughout the Bible. Um, and we're going to focus in on four tiny but um, amazing personal comforting and strong words that God repeats throughout the story of the Bible to his people and that are there for us too. And they have already been mentioned this morning if you're listening. But we'll get to those a bit later. But, but those four words um, speak of God's character and love to us, as well as being a challenge to us as to what our response is to God. But first, um, let's take a look at this piece of artwork and really have a think about what it might be showing us. It's kind of quite bold and dramatic. Um, it shows two people, a man and a woman, in the palm of a, of a giant strong hand. And as I said, it's got the words, God created us for relationship with himself. <clears throat> so with those words, particularly about creation, it, it makes us think about God's, um, the first people of God's creation, Adam and Eve. So I'm assuming that's probably Adam and Eve there. And the closeness that they shared with God when the world was brand new, when God declared it very good. And we can imagine um, in this artistic impression that the safe, strong, creative hand is a representation of God holding them safely in his hand. Um, you might see that it looks like there's kind of trees and leaves in the background there. And it reminds us that when God first created humanity for relationship with himself, he placed those first people in a garden that we were told is called Eden, a beautiful place. And so what was God's relationship um, like with humanity when all was very good in the garden. Well, we know from Genesis 1 to 3 that God communicated directly with Adam and Eve. He gave them purpose and provision, and he, in some form of his presence, walked among them in the garden. Now, it's interesting, when I looked at that picture, um, especially with them being held there in the hand of God, it actually reminds me of a verse in Isaiah chapter 49. You can look that one up if you like to. I'm going to be jumping all over the Bible today, but you might want to come back to this verse in Isaiah chapter 49. <clears throat> it says, See, I have engraved you on the palms of my hands. Your, your walls are ever before me. And I, when I read that verse, I generally visualize it as my name, permanently written or carved or maybe tattooed, if you like, in the figurative hand of God, held there safely in his hand. And when I read that verse, it in turn reminds me of um, my sister and my niece. And I have my sister Angela's permission to tell you just a wee part of her story this morning. You see, it was my niece Abby's 18th birthday just 10 days ago. Um, and her birthday is always bittersweet because we're reminded um, of how happy she was, um, how sweet, and we wonder what she might be doing now if she um, were here with us at the age of 18 
because we are also reminded of the genetic disorder which took her at just 20 months, just a few short months after this photo was taken. And my sister, um, as Abby's mum, has never and will never um, forget we Abby. And Angela has told me that she thinks of her very often through every day and never wants a day to go by that Abby is not remembered. And as a mum, Angela feels physically the distance that death has brought between her and her daughter. And she wants somehow to keep her close, not just in memory, but somehow physically. And so in the year after Abby passed away, Angela had Abby's name engraved on her wrist so that she would see that and feel close to Abby every day. It's a permanent, constant memorial of the love that is still so strong for her as a mum. And I know that's a really sad story in many ways, it, it really is, but rather than focus on the sadness, um, I want us to think about the depth of love that that tattoo, that name represents. So when I think about um, Angela and her, um, her tattoo of Abby's name, I think about this verse from Isaiah where God says, see, I have engraved you on the palms of my hands. Um, I read um, this quote from a commentator about this verse, um, and this is from a guy called John Gill, and he wrote back in the 18th century, so it's kind of old-fashioned um, wording, but it's, it's kind of lovely as well. It says, the phrase, see, I have engraved you on the palms of my hands, is signifying that his people were always in his sight. His eyes were ever upon them and never withdrawn from them. As anything held in the hand or tied to or wore upon it, as a signet or ring that has the name of a person on it, to which the illusion may be, which shows how near and dear they are to him, what affection he has for them and care of them. The phrase, your walls are ever before me, denotes the constant care and concern of Jehovah for the protection and safety of his church and people. Just lovely. I love those phrases, but always in his sight, always ever upon them, how near and dear, affection, the care and concern that Jehovah has for the safety of his church and his people. And you'll see um, there's a reference to Song of Songs in the middle of that quote. So of course I had to look that up and see what that says. And it's really beautiful too. It says, place me like a seal over your heart, like a seal on your arm. For love is as strong as death, as jealousy unyielding as the grave. It burns like a blazing fire, like a mighty flame. And that's another description of the strength and depth of love. The love here being described between a couple, but reminding me again that even human love is stronger than death and reminding me that God's love is stronger and fiercer and more pursuing than any human love. So Isaiah 49:16 really is a powerful reminder of God's love and care for me when I think about God engraving um, the names of his people on the palms of his hands and when I think about my sister and my niece. But especially, you'll see even more why I think about my sister when you read the verse that comes before this one. It says, Can a mother forget the baby at her breast and have no compassion on the child she has born? Though she may forget, I will not forget you. This is God speaking. I will not forget you. See, I have engraved you on the palms of my hands. Your walls are ever before me. Can my sister ever forget the baby she fed and clothed and hugged even after more than 16 years of separation from her? 
can she look back and not feel compassion for all that her daughter went through and not long to still have her with her? No way. Of course not. It's unthinkable. Um, John Gill does say, such monsters in nature there may be, though rare. And it's true that, you know, maybe sometimes a human mother might forget her baby. But here, God says, even if a human mother sometimes could forget her child, he, God, will not forget you. And he proves it with a picture of your name engraved in the palm of his hand. Tattooed, if you like, um, a constant permanent reminder of his thoughts, love and protection towards you. And that's the kind of relationship God has towards us and created us for. And he longs for us to respond um, in turn in willing, loving relationship towards him. So let's just go back to the garden for a minute. Remember when everything was good back in the garden with Adam and Eve, when God was with them and walked in the garden with them, um, when the relationship that God had with Adam and Eve was part of what made the earth very good. I'm sure you know what I'm going to talk about next. That um, untainted, first created relationship, it got broken, it got damaged, it got contaminated. Through Satan's lies and uh, deception, Eve and then Adam both made a choice to do what God had asked them not to do. They ate of the fruit of the tree of life from the middle of the garden. And this was the first time that we see sin happening in the world. Now, sin's a word that gets kind of thrown around um, and used a lot in church, but what does it really mean when we talk about it? Well, my definition is that it's anything that goes against or is in rebellion to God or his ways in our actions, thoughts, or words. And it includes any action, thought, or word that tries to put myself equal to or above God. So I don't actually think sin is a list of things that you can't do. It's a heart condition that flows into our thoughts, our words, and our actions. And because sin is ultimately against God, it creates a separation between us and him. Not because um, he moves away from us, but because our actions or words or thoughts move us away from him and his perfect holy standard. Because God is holy, our sin separates us from him. And we see that happening in the garden. Because of what Adam and Eve had done, when God next came to walk with them, um, to continue his relationship with them, they hid. Now, God knew all along um, what had happened and where they were, but he used a question to challenge them. God asks Adam and Eve, where are you? And I think he asked um, because he knew that their actions, their rebellion, um, their desire for more than what they already had, their doubt that God had given them all they needed, had created a distance in their hearts towards him. And I think it was the knowledge of this that made them feel shame, a dislike of themselves, and made them realize that they were no longer very good the way God had made them to be, and therefore not worthy to be in his presence. So they hid. And yet God came, and he calls out to them, and he calls them out as well. He pursues them with his questions. Where are you? Who told you? What is this you have done? And from here, in just the third chapter of the entire Bible, 
God then sets about putting into place a plan to make things very good again, to restore the perfect relationship between God and human beings. So God's plan unfolds, and that's the entire story of the rest of the Bible until we see a picture of its future completion um, in the last chapters in Revelation, a time when um, we as individual people who love God will be fully restored and very good once again. That relationship will be very good once again. And the plan revolves around Jesus and what he did on the cross. As we've already seen in the video and sung this morning, the good news is that Jesus has dealt with sin and death once and for all. But you know, right now we live in a time where some things are not yet. So the bad news is that while Jesus has already conquered sin and death, the ultimate fulfillment of that won't come until we are um, made new with him in heaven. And until then, we still have a constant battle with our own way versus God's way. So how is it that we can live and have a relationship with God now as Christians while we're still people that cannot live up to God's standard? Well, alongside God's rescue plan, he pursues us as he did with Adam and Eve. And God demonstrates that pursuit in four words, as I've mentioned earlier. And they're repeated to us as, as people and as individuals and a nation and to us throughout the Bible. Those words are, I am with you. And those words that God speaks over and over in the Bible speak to his near presence to us. In times when God's people have struggled or faced difficulty, these words are his encouragement. I am with you. You are not alone in this. They're God's strength-giving words before a challenge. I am with you, so don't be afraid. They're God's words to um, confirm an assignment he gives. I am with you, so even though what God's asking sounds hard or impossible, he will make it happen. I love those four words, small but so mighty, that God repeats throughout the Bible to his people. They demonstrate God's commitment to the relationship that he created us for. I want to share some of the many examples in the Bible with you. We don't have time to look them up, but I have put the references there if you want to check them out later. When God told Isaac um, where to live when there was a famine, he said, go, and I will be with you. And then there was trouble in the place that God had sent him and strife. But God said, do not be afraid, for I am with you. When Jacob fled his home after stealing the birthright from his brother, and God gave him a dream, um, showing him just what it would mean to carry that birthright, God said to him, I am with you and will watch over you wherever you go, and I will bring you back to this land. I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. What amazing promise. When Joseph was sold into slavery in Egypt, we're told the Lord was with Joseph. And even his pagan Egyptian boss um, could see that God was with him. Later, when Joseph was thrown into prison, we are told the Lord was with him. Later on, when we get to Moses, at the end of Moses' life, he spoke a blessing over the people of Israel before he died. And he told them, the Lord, your God, goes with you. He will never leave you or forsake you. Shortly after that, Joshua faced a terrifying battle 
And God said to him, As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you or forsake you. And the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Part of Isaiah's message from God to comfort the people of Israel was um, he told them, So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. And then in that reading that Caleb brought to us um, just a few minutes ago, um, Isaiah reiterates that the Israelites are God's people chosen by him. And when circumstances look overwhelming, he says, I will be with you. Another person, Jeremiah, he was called to be a prophet and he was really freaking out because he didn't think he could do what God had asked and was afraid of the people. And God said to him, do not be afraid of them for I am with you and will rescue you. Then God told Jeremiah that actually it was going to be an awfully hard job that he'd given him and there was going to be lots of opposition. But he added, they will fight against you but will not overcome you for I am with you and will rescue you. Well, what amazing stories of God telling his people that he is with them. So you might be thinking, well, that's all good, but that was to them, and it's in the Old Testament. Is that really what God also says to me? Well, then came Jesus. And in Matthew 28, 20, Jesus says, And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. And then not long before Jesus' um, physical form and presence left the earth, he sent the Holy Spirit. And this is what he said um, in in the day before heading to the cross. He said, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. You know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. And then later, the the writer of Hebrews reminds us again, just in case we don't have the message yet, that God has said, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. And he confirms that that message that Moses gave to the Israelites is still for us today. How cool. Now, I know it is only November, but this is our Advent series, our lead up to Christmas. So how does all this relate to Christmas? Well... What's a special name that was given to Jesus um, in prophecy foretelling of his coming that we mostly only use um, at Christmas time and that we sing about at Christmas time? Anyone know? Um, Exactly, Emmanuel. And I'm sure a lot of you know that Emmanuel means God with us. That's Jesus' name. That is who Jesus is. Jesus is God with us. And since it's only November, hopefully not too many of you, I won't say none of you because I know some of you would have not been able to help it, but not too many of you probably got your trees and decorations up here, right? But the organized among you may be sort of starting to plan and and make a few lists and things. Um, Maybe you've started your own um, wish list of things that you might want for Christmas. And so I wonder what it is that's on your Christmas I want list this year. Maybe it's the latest shoes or phone, book or gadget, sports stuff. I don't know. Maybe some of you just want socks because you need them every year. Um, Personally, I I want some new secateurs because mine are somewhere in the garden and I have no idea where. (laughs) Cannot find them. (laughs) 
Um, some of you will have an I want Christmas list that has um, some names of the people that you just want and hope will be there on the day to share it with you. Um, maybe your I want list um, includes some specific food that you want to be eating that day. Um, I know in the Warnock family it's not really Christmas until we've had the special stuffing that only gets made at Christmas time and had green ice cream. Trust me, it's worth it. Well, did you know that Jesus has an I want list too? It's very short. There's only one item on it. And I have searched. As far as I can tell, Jesus only ever says I want one time in the Bible. I wonder if you can guess what Jesus wants. If you're picking that it's probably not the latest iPhone, you're on the right track. So Jesus, God the Son, um, in his prayer the night before the cross, when he pours out his heart to God the Father, puts in one I want request, not for Christmas, but forever. Jesus, who had and has perfect love and relationship within the Trinity, wants one thing. This is what he said, Father, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am and to see my glory. Wow. Did you get that? Jesus says, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am. Jesus' heart has not changed. God's heart has not changed. His message um, that he is with us um, is throughout the Bible and he wants us with him. So we now know that God made, created us for relationship with himself. He pursues us by being with us. And Jesus longs for us to, to be with him where he is. So I wonder what your response is to knowing all of that. And there are only two directions that you can respond to in this. That's either towards that relationship or not. Well, it turns out there's another um, special little phrase that comes up a few places in the Bible. This one just has three words. And it's the response that of several people when God calls to them or tests them. And it's the opposite of the hiding that Adam and Eve did in Genesis. These three special words are here I am. Um, is, I wonder, is God calling to you, where are you? Maybe there's some resistance that you have to him at the moment. Maybe he's calling where are you to your doubts or your questions, or maybe your lack of interest at the moment. Perhaps there's some shame or fear today that holds you back from living into the relationship that God offers you. We don't need to keep carrying that at all. Are you hiding from God like Adam and Eve, or maybe running in the opposite direction like Jonah did? Instead, will your reply to God's I am with you be like Abraham, Jacob, Moses, Samuel, and Isaiah, who each at different times said, here I am, to God's invitation to them? You know, Jesus has his own here I am as well. He's gentle, patient, full of compassion. You know, sometimes God really boldly makes his presence known in someone's life and gets their attention, but mostly for us, he's present, pursuing in a gentle way and waits um, to be sought out or responded to by us. And Jesus had these words um, towards a church that had slipped into apathy and indifference, which I think are for us today too. He said, 
here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. Jesus says, here I am to you, and he longs to hear your here I am to him. If you will choose to say here I am today, how will you live out that relationship this week and respond to God's presence? I just want to finish with a few um, practical examples of choosing to be with God during your day or being more conscious of God being with you. First, um, quite a few years ago now, a friend of mine shared that each morning before she gets out of bed, she starts her day with a prayer. This is actually a children's song, but she sees it as a prayer. She says, good morning, God. This is your day. I am your child. Show me your way. What a great way to start the day, acknowledging your relationship with God at the beginning of the day and stating that you want him in it. Good morning, God. This is your day. I am your child. Show me your way. Maybe you could try praying that prayer this coming week in the morning before you get out of bed. A second example, um, a gorgeous young friend of mine, some of you will know her, Laura Dodd, um, has also said I can share a wee story from her. I um, asked her about it and um, she wrote to me, um, and so I'm going to read it in in her own words, but this is how she reminds herself that God is with her. So this is what she's written to me. She said, the story is, I heard a message, and at the end, the pastor challenged us to write with on our hands for a week to remind us God is with you. I didn't take up the challenge right away, but about a year later, I was feeling particularly anxious and decided to give it a go so I could remember God is with me in times of anxiety. I found it really helped, so I continued to write it on my hand every day. Six or seven years later was the first time I didn't, and that was the day I was getting the tattoo. <laughs> I love that Laura's response to needing the assurance of God's presence to help her through her day and her anxious times was the daily reminder for her that God is with her. So, you know, it's not obviously my idea, but maybe you could also take up that challenge this week to write the word with on your hand every day and um, see if that reminder that God is with you calms your heart too. And just pen will be fine, at least for the first few years. <laughs> because you see, God doesn't promise us that just because we're Christians, we won't have trouble or struggles and actually the opposite. He tells us that in this world, we will face troubles. And you might sometimes hear misquoted um, that God won't give you more than you can handle, but the Bible actually doesn't say that. Um, come and have a chat to me afterwards if you think it does. <laughs> the truth is um, trouble and hard stuff will come your way. Maybe not today, but it will. And we don't really get a choice about whether we would like to handle it or not, or whether we can handle it or not, and you know, actually what does that even mean? But God promises that come what may, through it all, he will be with you. God is with you now. He's ever-present. He has sent his spirit to dwell in us, comfort, empower, and help us. And that will continue until the very day when we can be in God's presence in a physical, 
visible, permanent way that's different to anything that we experience right now. The ultimate fulfillment that we're told about in Revelation um, 21. Now, I know we've heard these verses a few times over the last few months, but they're such great verses. I think um, it's worth reading them again because when John in the book of Revelation got a glimpse of what heaven will be like, he said, and I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people and he will dwell with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. And at that time, Jesus will get his I want fully fulfilled um, that those who God has given to him um, will be with Jesus where he is and we will see his glory. And how amazing will that be? God's heart, as I've already said, has not changed. God still says to you today, I am with you. Jesus, the Son of God and God in human form, said, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am. You were made for relationship with God. What is your response? Will you say, here I am to God? And how does that look for you today? Just want to finish with one last thing. Um, Craig actually put this quote on the Agora prayer page um, a week or so ago, and it sums this up nicely. It says, God doesn't stop the bad things from happening. That's never been part of the promise. The promise is, I am with you. I am with you now until the end of time. So as you go into the rest of today, as you start out your week, what difference would it make to you to be thinking about how God is with you in each moment that you navigate this week? If you have a challenge ahead, God is with you. If God has you moving into a new season that seems daunting, God is with you. If you're struggling and it feels like the waves and flames um, may overwhelm you, God is with you and will uphold you. If you're just not sure what your next steps look like, God is with you. If life feels like a bit of a battle right now, take courage and don't be afraid because God is with you. But also if you're heading into an awesome week, I think sometimes that can be the easiest to forget. But God is with you. Take him into that awesome week as well. Don't hide away from his presence. Don't ignore it. Hear him standing at the door of your heart, knocking gently and longing to come in and sit beside you. Will you offer him your here I am and accept his help and comfort and encouragement today? How could this week look different if you acknowledge God beside you and with you every day? Let me pray. Lord God, as we've already um, heard this morning, Lord, we don't need to request or invite or ask for your presence. Lord, you're already here, and I thank you so much that you are with us, Lord. And how amazing would it be if we could just recognize that as we go into our week, Lord, and um, invite you to be part of each day and each moment. Lord God, thank you so much for this truth this promise, this comfort, this encouragement, Lord God. May we um, reply to you, here I am. In Jesus' name.